Welcome back to Ordinary Time. It's been a great few weeks from the Easter season. We had Pentecost, Trinity Sunday. Last weekend was Corpus Christi. So we're now just kind of back in this time uh, to rest, uh, but also just to dive deeper in our faith. Um, Just the beauty outside, praying for rain, right? And the readings today, I think providentially so, are all about agriculture. Uh, So Ezekiel, our first reading today, he's speaking of these great cedars. I quote, the cedar from its topmost branches tear off a tender shoot planted on a high and lofty mountain. There I will plant it. There it will bring forth branches, bring forth fruit, become a majestic cedar. Birds of every kind shall dwell beneath it, every winged thing in the shade of its boughs. And then Mark in the gospel today, he's talking all about this mustard seed, the smallest of all the seeds of the earth, but once sown, It springs up, becomes the largest of plants, puts forth large branches. And again, the birds of the sky come and dwell in its shade. So it's pretty evident to the early fathers of the church that what Ezekiel and Mark are describing here is not best practices for horticulture or for attracting beautiful, pretty birds to come dwell in your front yard shrubs, right? What they're describing is the kingdom of God and how we relate to it. We're told that they're parables. But more specifically, we can call it the church. What they're describing is the church. So we call that opening stanza from our gospel. Jesus says to the crowds, This is how it is with the kingdom of God. It is as if a man were to scattered seed on the land and would sleep and rise night and day, and through it all the seed would sprout and grow. St. Jerome, one of the greatest saints, he died about the year 420. He reflects upon this passage saying, The seed is the word of life. The ground, the land, is the human heart. The sleep and rise of man is the death and resurrection of a savior. And the seed that springs up day and night again and again is the Christian church flourishing, children being baptized, hearts being converted and transformed. And so in this one little section, you could easily glance over it, is packed in the entire M.O., for the Christian ideal, the Christian plan, that we, the ground, our hearts, are to receive the word, to receive that seed, and not a dead seed, but one that's risen, one that is alive, who's victorious over death, and who is continually to rise again within us, bearing more and more fruit. In a short word, it's deification. We become like Jesus. We become like God. And the mode in which this happens is this kingdom is the church. Uh, But when we hear this idea of church, kind of just see what the world says of it, right? Uh, We can kind of fall into the idea that the church is just an institution. It's just a corporation, right? And it is those things, to be sure, uh, but it's also so much more than that, right? Beyond these mere semantics of words uh, and understanding. Uh, Take the word corporation, for example. When I say that word, what do you immediately think of? 3M, Targets, Microsoft, Google, just massive corporations, right? But if we back up and we kind of start to examine it a little more, the root word of corporation is is corpus in Latin, uh, which literally translates to body. Last weekend we celebrated Corpus Christi, the body of Christ. And so when we say the church is a corporation, what we're literally saying is that the church is a body, a living body. St. Paul The gospel authors, they're all pretty darn clear about this. Um, 
And it's within this body, through baptism, that we are members, right? We are corporally made part of the corpus. We're made part of the body of Christ. And it's only within that body, um, only within it, that we have life. And then logically it would follow that if we're outside the body, if we're outside the church, we don't have life. It's within this body that we have protection, that we have nutrients, the teachings of the church, the magisterium, the protection of our bishop through the pope, right? all these wonderful things, the sacraments. And it's only within this body that we have the promise of immortality. So what these beautiful agricultural images that Ezekiel and Mark are talking about, it is the church. This great majestic cedar, this amazing mustard seed that turns in this massive plant, it's the body of Christ. It's the church divinely instituted. So now knowing, now knowing this, we can go back for a moment to the very start of the first reading from Ezekiel. Um, he says, The cedar, from its topmost branches, tear off a tender shoot and plant it on a high and lofty mountain. So if we dive into these words again, the word shoot here, in Hebrew, the word is nazar, N-A-Z-A-R. It translates just shoot, just like the shoot of David. So Jesus of Nazar is Jesus of Nazareth. He is the shoot that is planted. And where is he planted? He tells us clearly, this is a prophecy, he's planted on a high and lofty mountain. He's planted upon Calvary. And it's there that that seed is planted and dies. But not just a death, right? The seed then bears life. It rises through the piercing of his heart, which he celebrated just this last Friday on the Sacred Heart Feast Day. His church is brought forth um, so that it could be for us, that we could be protected and saved. It shall put forth branches and bear fruit, become a majestic cedar. Birds of every kind shall dwell beneath it. Birds here, whenever you see birds in the Old Testament, oftentimes it's symbolic of our souls. So souls of every kind shall dwell beneath it. Every soul shall dwell in its shade and the protection of its boughs. Beautiful imagery of the church, I think which can then lead us to some practical questions and applications for today. To ask ourselves, if this is the church, this amazing thing given to us, are we fully in the church? I'm just talking about physically here this morning, so beautiful we're all here worshiping together. But I'm talking about with your whole heart, with your whole mind, your whole understanding, your emotions. And then are you content there? Are you at peace upon the branch as we're so called to be like these birds, right? Or are you kind of you know, looking at the wind pass by, perhaps a storm is coming off in the distance, approaching? This is just about my first year of priesthood, celebrating an anniversary just about a week ago. It's been a beautiful year, but just meeting so many different kinds of people in our parish, just in the, the area here. A lot of people that are distracted, despairing, discouraged, have come up to me. Not to say I haven't been myself at times, right? But they've come up to me and expressed some discomfort for something going on in their life or in the world or in the church, a perceived injustice locally or universally, you know, perhaps some disagreement with doctrinal points. Um, The list goes on and on and on. Perhaps you could fill in uh, kind of your own blank there. But at the end of the day, you know, points, credence aside, um, it's a lot of looking out. It's a lot of despair. Quite frankly, there's a lot of anger. Just in my own prayer and reflection upon this, a really good friend gave me a great piece of wisdom. He recounted this interview 
with a secular journalist and Mother Teresa from years ago. You can still look it up today. And the interviewer asks her, you know, Mother Teresa, if you had all the authority, all the power in the whole world, and you could change anything, anything in the world or in the church, what would you change? I don't know about you, but if I was asked that question on the spot, I could probably come up with like a pretty good list, right? I think we all could. But you know what she responds? Holy woman. She responds, myself. I would change myself. So to remember, brothers and sisters, that though we're in the church, beautiful gift, that it's not ours, it's Jesus's. But by his grace and benefit design, we are members. And if we truly desire goodness to be brought about in the world, justice and right, both within the world and in our church, what must we do? The only thing that we could do that's in our power? Become him. Become holy to make him first in our hearts and our families. To do, as the reading so encouraged us to do today, this great modus operandi, to dwell in the peace of the branches of the church allowing the seed of Christ the Word to be implanted and to grow in our own hearts in our deep and animate prayer, uh, transforming us into Him.